In a world filled with movies, it can be hard to choose just one to watch. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I'm not deciding this. What do you want to watch? I asked first. Come on. What do you want to watch? No. What do you want to watch? What do you want to watch, Patrick? What do you Where even narrowing watch? down a you genre can be a struggle. How about we watch a drama? Too many emotions. Okay, then how about we watch an action film? Too many explosions. I know, I know. Let's watch a horror movie. Uh... Wouldn't it be easier to leave things to chance? Okay, talking isn't getting us anywhere. We need to figure out another way to go. Why don't we just roll some dice to figure out who gets to pick and what genre we do? Whatever. Here we go. Welcome to the Diecast Movie Podcast, where the movie we watch is decided by the roll of a die. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And on this episode, we're doing a die rolled movie. And um, luckily, we landed on horror. And I have a special guest who picked this movie because. We recently talked about Let's Kill Uncle, and of course, Horror High doesn't really fit his podcast-type um, genre because it's a little too graphic or a little too bloody, but I'm joined by the legendary Rondo Award winning, basically in the Hall of Fame of Rondo Award, Sir Derek Cook. How you doing, Sir Cook? Uh, I don't respond unless you use my middle initial in my name. Um, it is Sir Mr. Derek M. Cook. Sir Mr. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make any sense. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I was going to say, does the M stand for Mr.? <laughs> I, I, you know what? It, mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> What's up, man? It definitely doesn't stand for humble. <laughs> I, I don't know. The M stands for me, me, me. That's what it's all about. <laughs> There we go. And that, and, oh, man. And that's why we have Derek on the podcast, because it's all about him when he's with us. But <laughs> That's not true at all, and I hope everybody knows that. I, I'm i just a dude, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a guy who loves these movies and fortunate enough to have friends who also make awesome podcasts and invite me on every once in a while. So thanks for having me on, man. Oh, you're welcome. And you always have a home here to come over and and. and, and Basically, branch out from you know your your normal Monster Kid Radio podcast, where you're focusing on more of that particular genre subgenre. Uh, this is obviously in the horror wheelhouse, but it's more of the the more bloody than you would normally gravitate towards. Not that you could tell, considering the transfer I watched, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Derek, uh, let people know what's, what's been going on with you and Monster Kid Radio. This episode will be going out on um, Sunday or Monday, so it either be going out September 26th or 27th. Wow. All right. Well, we just had you on a couple of weeks back to talk about <laughs> Let's Kill Uncle, uh, which was uh, one of our unofficial, official sight unseen movies, something that neither you nor I had watched before. and talked about it and had a good time with it. But what's going on over at MKR overall? Uh, you know, we're kind of in a, in a weird position right now because uh, I've got a lot of things happening in my personal life that could impact things on the podcast front. 
Uh, that's not to say the podcast is going anywhere. Just I've been experimenting and changing the format a little bit to make things easier on my side. I'm not quite ready to make any real big announcements just yet, uh, but I will on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's pronounced Cook, and that's spelled K-O-C-H, so just look up it's pronounced Cook on YouTube. Uh, so I'll be talking about things over there uh, as things move forward and as more changes happen on the personal front, which will impact MKR. Uh, we are doing Monster Kid Movie Club, Monster Kid Astronomy Club. That's our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. Uh, so stay tuned for that for any updates as well that may be coming. Um, trying to think of anything else coming up. We've over 540 episodes, and yeah, we're just doing what we do, man, talking about monster movies with our favorite people, Monster Kids. Awesome. And for listeners, this is this episode is going to be wrapping up year two for wow. Diecast Movie Podcast, and we'll be starting year three off with the interview with Mary Batham. And then, nice. Um, and then we're going into um, um, a movie review, which hasn't been decided yet. Then we have Pamela Pierce, um, Charles B. Pierce' daughter, who did uh, the Legend of Bogey oh, Creek. Nice. Yeah, um, Bogey Creek time, man. That's awesome. Yep. And then we have um, James Curtis because we'll be starting our James Well retrospective. And I just got done interviewing today Louis Gossett Jr., who that interview will be coming out in November. Nice. I hope you told him I said hi. Oh, I did. He, he, he's basically told you that you, you forgot to send him a Christmas card this year. Ah, uh, well, he didn't send any Christmas cards this year, man. <laughs> Just saying, you know, he, 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 he called you out by name and said, Wait, where's the Christmas? Oh, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know you were going to, I didn't know it was going to cause bad blood. Ah, uh, I see. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. The interviews that you've been getting, it's amazing. Uh, You know, and I said this about another podcast on my show this past week as well, that there are some podcasts that I consider like, hey, this is one of the best new podcasts out there. And then you are going on year three. You're not a new podcast anymore. You're knocking it out of the park still, though. You've been leveling up and just doing doing the good work, man. Well, thank you. I still consider us the WKRP of podcasts. I mean, yours is is in a higher level. Ours is still WKRP. (laughs) WKRP is pretty darn cool. So, so <laughs> unless yeah. you're the Lonnie Anderson part, and then maybe this is, yeah. I, I don't think of it that way. I've, I've always pictured myself being, <laughs> uh, being the Venus fly, not Venus flytrap, um, um, Dr. Johnny Fever. Oh, okay. <laughs> ben, is like Venus, ben is like Venus flytrap and Michaela's like Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome on the episode, nice. Mr. Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well go all the way, you know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you and you and the last time I was on your show, we did Let's Kill Uncle, mm-hmm. and of course, the lead actor in that one is Pat Cardi, and the lead actor in Horror High is Pat Cardi, a little bit older. A, yeah, a little bit older, and his, his last um, main film role, to my knowledge. And, uh, um, yeah, that's the last thing in filmography. And you would never know they're the same actor unless you just by looks, because, you know, a child actors age so and change, you know, it, it would be, it would have been very hard to tell. <laughs> I, you know, I, maybe because we just recently saw Let's Kill Uncle, it's only seven years between Let's Kill Uncle and Horror High in terms of their actual release. Uh, and I could see we're going to be in him, but I don't know if it's because we've just seen let's kill uncle or what, but I can see it. I can see it a little bit. 
Now, for you, it was a first-time viewing, right? That's correct. I had seen it back, I can't remember when. It was late, late night television, one of those horror night movie things, and there was horror high, and I remember watching it. And it's like, oh, I enjoyed this. I had a good vibe with it. And then I saw it, I think, a year later. I, I didn't get to see the whole thing, but I got to see most of it again. And then I haven't seen it again until recently. So I always had certain images, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So listeners will probably be spoiling some things as we go through. But it's there's certain images that just stuck with me for decades later, um, you know, from from viewing it. And and, and I recalled it when I, re, when I watched it recently. I was able to remember. It's like, yep, I got that exactly right. So the movie had um, definitely imprinted on my brain back in the day. What did you think of it, Derek? What were your, like, first impressions of watching this movie? You know, I almost wish that you hadn't told me anything about it going into it. Because when we were talking about Let's Kill Uncle, and I can't remember if it actually made the cut on my episode or not of MKR, but you told me it's kind of like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. And I almost wish that I didn't know that going into it. That said, they're watching Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde in the very beginning of the movie, so you kind of know what's coming. Overall, I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting take on Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I think it was trying to kind of capture a little bit of that retro, I'm not saying not necessarily intro retro, but uh, if you look back at like the fifties, you had teenage Frankenstein, teenage werewolf, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like a teenage Jekyll and Hyde, that's actually kind of a cool idea. And I, and I, I like that idea a lot because I like the teenage Frankenstein movie and all that. And Pat Cardi's fine, you know, as a lead actor. Uh, he's definitely got the nerd role down. You know, he's <laughs> this, this guy who's beat up and doesn't have a lot of self-esteem and, you know, all of that. He carries the movie. I mean, because really. Oh, he, he has to. Yeah, it's his film. It's his film. Um, but Austin Stoker, who played Lieutenant Oh, Boston, when he turned up. Oh, when he turned up, I was all in. And I'll tell you why. Austin Stoker is one of my favorite underrated John Carpenter films. He mm -hmm. is the lead of Attack on Precinct 13, or excuse me, Assault on Precinct 13. I love that movie so much. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I can almost tell you beat by beat what happens in the film because I love it. It's burned itself on my brain. Uh, he plays Bishop in that film, and it's just so cool. And I know he's played the kind of either cop or doctor or, you know, the position of authority type roles before. And I love him in those two. So when he turned up, I'm like, yeah, now I'm all in. It's a little lukewarm, to be honest, until he turned up. Oh, when he turned up, it definitely and, – and I liked it because it was almost like in his mind, like if, for those of us that were watching 70s police procedurals like Columbo and all the other stuff, you could just yep. see he's figuring it out. And it's almost like a Columbo thing by asking certain questions of the person he suspects to be that way to get their answers. And uh, I was like, oh, this is – he was so – brilliantly portrayed and written. And um, I just, yeah. if you, so if you like like the police procedurals of the, of the 70s, he fits that trope and that type perfectly well. Yeah. And he owns the screen when he comes in. For sure. Yeah, he is, uh, you know, great as a guy who's trying to figure everything out. And his interactions, especially with Vernon, you know, Pat Cardi's character, you know that he suspects the first time he starts questioning the second time, you know that he knows. And it's just this kind of delightful, like you said, 70s, Columbo-esque, oh, hey, just one more thing kind of approach, and I like that a lot. 
Oh, I know. It was it, it was very good to watch. And for, for listeners wondering, both of these actors were also in the same movie, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, I think Pat Cardi's was a smaller role. He played the young chimp. And um, um, Austin Stoker played, I'm trying to remember the name of the role, uh, McDonald. Yeah, that's true. That's and, true. And, it, so uh, and, you know, he's right in that, too, so... I mean, so it's like three different films I'm thinking of that I've seen him in now, and in every one of them he's been great. I mean, it's it's and he's mm-hmm. and he's still alive today. So hopefully one day I might be able to interview him. That would be amazing. Well, just let him know that uh, you know Lou Gossett Jr. and all those others were on your show, and uh, I mean, don't mention me because I haven't put him on my Christmas card list yet either. So yeah, that that could cost me dearly. You have to be like, oh no. <laughs> You know, Derek oh, M. not Cook. that guy, Derek M. Cook, and we all know that he never sends Christmas cards. <laughs> not even a Halloween card. Oh, How man. could he? <laughs> right. Now, for listeners wondering what the movie's about, I'm going to do is play the trailer, and then we'll talk a little bit of synopsis of the movie, and then we'll go more in detail about some of our favorite things. Meet Vernon Potts. This is what they did to him. Stop! Watch him as he turns into a beast, too grotesque to believe, and terrorizes his teachers to death. See Vernon Potts turn on to become the demon of Har High. I make that out to be a laboratory beaker, Lieutenant. We found it close to the coach's body. The world's most evil teenage mind creates terror for the school that becomes known as Har High. A distorted trip into the nightmare of death. Well, you know how some drugs can change a person mentally? Well, I've been trying to prove that you can change them physically as well. See the terror that stalks the hallowed halls of Har High. Vernon, where is Mr. Mumps? He's dead. He was part of the experiment. That's why I've got to give it up. You just turn on the light. There's a maniac running loose around here and two people, two people dead already. Guess you're gonna have to play with the big boys today, huh? Do you dare enroll in Har High? What the hell is that ungodly sound you're making? See all pro John Myland as another victim of Vernon's rage. See Horror High opening soon in this area. is a scream. Or a high is a blast. Or high. We're talking about it at last. <laughs> but I think, I think that trailer pretty much sums up a lot of the stuff that goes on. It Just so people know, Mr. Mumps was a guinea pig. Yeah, I was going to say, the way they, they pitched that, you know, Mr. Mumps is dead. Well, yeah, it's a guinea pig, not... <laughs> but, I, you know, they're they're doing enough to make it sound like, you know, it's, it's more dire. Not that, yeah, anyway. Now, 
For people that listen to that trailer, I'm going to go right to your wheelhouse, Mr. Cook, Sir Cook. The music. <laughs> what did you think of the music? Oh, man. It's so 70s. It's so 70s. Um, it, 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 not just like the score, you know, not just the incidental stuff, but even the song that's played over the credits, it's so 70s. Did I like it? Uh, it's not something I'll find myself going back to and listening to over and over and over again. But, you know, it definitely fit the tone. It helped set the tone for sure. What about you? I enjoyed the music. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy the soundtrack to it if, if it's even out there, but it was just. It fit, oh, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, this is a 1973 movie and it fits early 70s and it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's of its type. You know, this is this is the movie that, that came out around that time frame, so it fits right within where, where you expected it. it, it I kind of say sometimes you see a movie, it is what you exactly expect it to be. Doesn't mean it makes it bad. Doesn't mean it makes it good, but it is what you expect it. And um, and, and there's sure. there's some things in this I just really enjoyed revisiting and watching, and I think it still holds up pretty well. I mean, it's not a great movie, but I think it's a solid entry into the the horror movie genre with it, with it's um, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde wrinkle. Yeah. I mean, it's still the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And it feels like at least the way that it's presented now, the way that I watched it. And I don't know how it holds up in terms of like whether or not it's been released to DVD or whatever. The copy that I found, the version that I found was an online streaming option and the transfer is pretty rough, which almost enhanced the near grindhouse feel this thing had. It definitely has an exploitation vibe. There's no nudity. There's no excessive gore. So it's not that kind of exploitive, but it feels like it could have been. Uh, The way it's shot, the way the film just looks like it's been run through a bathtub filled with acid before it was presented. It just looks really beat up and has that vibe, which I think actually helped the film. Well, I, I wish I could have seen a little bit more detail here and there, but I think it definitely helps. I agree with you. And you got to remember when I first saw this, it was um, back when everybody only had three stations normally. And then of course, if you got the rabbit ears with the aluminum foil the right way, you can get another station or two at, <laughs> at late night. And that's yeah. how I watched it. So it, so for me seeing the copy that was out there, that's on YouTube and that kind of stuff, it matches my, um, you know, remembrances of the movie, seeing it before. So it fits in perfect. I I think this is a movie that if you had a pristine Blu-ray copy, I could be wrong, but for me, I think it, like you just said, I think it would lose some of its factor if it was, if it was too clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, I, I don't even know if it's available out there. I wonder if you can get your hands on it. I'll do some checking while we're talking. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, Dracula versus Frankenstein's out there. You'd hope that one time they would go back and revisit right? You know, other films. I mean, we've talked about this before, about how you can get certain movies. They seem to put out constantly E.T., Dracula, Frankenstein. I mean, there's, there's Army of Darkness. Star Wars. I mean, there's, there's like loads and loads of variations and copies out there. You can get VHS for DVD, for Blu-ray, multiple versions of DVDs and Blu-ray different cuts and edits and all that stuff. And then you got mm-hmm. these other movies that just can't seem to find the light of day, except for Dracula versus Frankenstein, <laughs> which I, right? which I know you and I both like, but it's just, I, 
Oh, I love that movie so much. So uh, according to the site Rewind over at dvdcompare.net, Horror High has been released a few times around the world, a couple of times, uh, at least once in Germany, or twice in Germany. Uh, Mill Creek put out a version of it at one point as one of their big drive-in cult cinema collections. However, the version that they give the best uh, marks to is a DVD release that was put out by Code Red, which has an audio commentary by The Geek Squad, which I think is a podcast. The alternate opening title when it had the Twisted Brain title. An interview with Austin Stoker that goes for almost half an hour. So if you really, really love this movie, it sounds like that's the one to go for. Unfortunately, it's selling for 60 bucks, which typically means it's out of print or going out of print. But, you know, it's out there. wonder how it looks. Well, I wonder. But then again, I can also see it for free on YouTube. So I think that's that they, um, will scratch my itch right. for now. But if it doesn't come available at a yeah. nice price, you know, $20 or less, then it's something sure. I'd, I'd probably revisit, you know, and, and be mm-hmm. like, okay, let's, let's pull the plug on it. But for $60, uh, no. oh the geek squad are made up of people from the old tv game show the old the old from several years ago called beat the geeks i don't know if you remember that from sci-fi channel but um yeah handful of people from that show did the commentary anyway uh yeah i think the uh the aesthetic that we get inadvertently or not (laughs) the way it was shot just feels appropriate I know I said at the beginning of this that I love the Teenage Frankenstein, Teenage Werewolf films, and those look a lot better because they were shot in the 50s and, you know, they were all about lighting everything, making sure we can see everything. This one, you really can't see a lot. And a lot of it does take place at night or in a school in the evening where all the lights are off and that sort of thing. A lot of shadow work, which just kind of bleeds all over the screen. (laughs) It makes it tough to see things, but, you know, it is what it is. I think maybe also not knowing for sure, but this could have been a directoral choice because maybe the makeup wasn't as great as they wanted it to be. So what do you do? You hide That's things true. in the shadows and then your imagination takes over as to what he looks like in his transformation and, um, and, mm-hmm. and so on. The director, um, Larry Stouffer, has not done many, many things. He's only d- directed two things, Horror High and Sands of Ecstasy, which I have never seen. <laughs> Yeah, it was a previous film, and it looks like that's a romance. But he also did the second unit directing or or assistant directing for Keep My Grave Open, which I would assume that's just an awesome that title. Title that that's got to be a horror film. <laughs> oh, yeah. The synopsis on the Internet Movie Database. A crazy woman who lives in an old mansion thinks she's with her brother slash lover who lures victims to her. All right. Um it sounds a little bit more creepy than I was thinking, but the title is amazing. I mean, so, I mean when you see that, when you hear that title, you just automatically think, Oh, this has got to be a, like a horror film similar to the one we just watched, you know, like not yeah. mean exactly plot for plot, but that, that genre, that type. Yeah. So he did the romance in the sixties and then did a couple of horror projects in the seventies. And that's about all we have online for him. Yes. Although, it looks like he did create like a screenwriting conference in New Mexico, which is pretty cool. No good for that. Good for him for that. Um, you, you were talking about hiding the makeup and kind of letting your brain kind of take over what the monster looks like or what Pat Cardi looks like. I think you're absolutely right because it, it definitely lets your brain kind of think a little differently about him. 
uh, you know, uh, what, what he looks like, especially since Pat Carty does some physical acting here. He changes how he walks. He changes how he presents himself. Yeah, there's some ridiculous, oh, I'm a monster stuff, right? I'll yeah. never do that again on a podcast. But <laughs> there, there's some hunched over walking, the way he kind of turns his feet in a little bit. I thought that was pretty cool. I really like that and respect that. Oh, I do too. I think he's, he's used his body well. Um, again, as to whether the voice thing worked or not. Well, I mean, you got to play with what you got. It, it's uh, if you're not showing sure. it, you got to you got to play it with the um, the face. You got to play it with the body language and the vocals, and and that kind of thing going through it. But I also liked when people would talk to him, especially the one teacher, um, the English teacher, and she's like, <laughs> "Vernon, is that you? Is it, who's there?" And it's like. And the way he read his lines, like, this is Vernon, you know, it's like, no, this can't be, you know, but he was so detached emotionally when he presented Mm -hmm. his, it was, it was, that made it even more scary or the tension increased so much more dramatically the way he did his line reading. I agree. Yeah. And I'm not sure why this is the last thing he did. I don't know if he was just done with acting at this point or what, but I mean, he's not phoning it in. You know, he's got the chops. So I, I appreciated that. And you mentioned the English teacher. Now, I'm a little bit younger than you. But my high school experience wasn't filled with a bunch of jerk teachers. I was kind of, you know, the geeky kid. You know, when the geeky kids, the bullies picked on me a little bit every once, you know, occasionally. Until I, you know, turned into Mr. Hyde. But, you know, I, I didn't have teachers bullying me either the way Miss Grindstaff, which is the best name ever for a bully teacher, Miss Grindstaff chopping up my homework in front of me dramatically on a paper cutter for another class just because I mixed up which paper goes where. I never had that happen to me. I never had a gym teacher offer to let me skip gym if I helped his star football player cheat on a biology test. I never had any of that stuff happen. I don't know how it was where you were when you were growing up, but where I was growing up and the time frame I was growing up, that never happened, man. Well, I mean, it's just, you, you got lucky, Derek. You, you ended up with the right group, you know, and that kind of stuff. But oh, did just, I? Did I? <laughs> I? I don't know, but it's just, but things happen. Obviously, he was, the teachers are picking on him. The, um, not all the teachers, but the gym teacher and the English teacher and the janitor. And, well, the janitor, boy, what are you doing in here, boy? Yeah. And the and the, um, <laughs> the head football player, you know, the star football player. We're all like. So he was getting constantly picked on. So he drilled in that he was being put upon. But no, I mean, really, the movie was he was he was put on. He's working on the formula, which he's using uh, Mr. Mumps with, and mm-hmm. um, it's a it's been working on it all summer and that kind of stuff. And uh, the janitor gets upset because Mr. Mumps hides out, so to speak, becomes like like a like a I wish this would, this would have been something interesting to have seen, but I'm glad I didn't see it. But it's just to see the guinea pig turn into like this, this monstrous version of a guinea pig. Yeah. Because <laughs> it took out the cat. I, I, and, and I got to tell you, I was worried. Um, this is a movie from the 70s. It's obviously low budget. We're seeing a guinea pig and we're seeing a cat. And I was scared that we were going to see some animal violence here, some real animal violence. I don't think we saw that. No, kind of hard to tell because some of those scenes were dark. Uh, and he does, you know, shoo a cat away with a broom. But 
I think we're okay. Yeah, I think it's all fake, and I think, you know, like the, the cat is obviously, the dead cat is obviously a stuffed cat thing, and then the oh, guinea yeah. pig thing is is obviously, it's, it's the janitor kills Mr. Mumps, but does not, we don't see anything. But then he forces Vernon to drink the formula. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a unique take of the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing, where somebody else forces him to do it. Yeah. Uh, and that did him in. I mean, that that was uh, the mistake. Now, something about a lot of horror stories, and, and this doesn't hold true to everything, but a lot of times when you look at horror stories, uh, the victims uh, of whatever happens in the horror stories, sometimes you can trace back to the fact that they just made a mistake somewhere along the way. They made the wrong decision. And in this particular case, one could say that the janitor made the wrong decision by making him drink the formula. And maybe he was a bully beforehand, too, and you can count that. But this guy definitely went down the path that would lead to his own death. That doesn't mean that Vernon's not responsible, but he definitely made the wrong choice, the wrong decision here. And and that kind of sets off everything that happens in the rest of the movie. Oh, yes. Because Vernon never wanted to drink that formula because he wasn't sure if it was going to hurt him or not and so on. So I don't think he ever would have done it until that was forced upon him. And then, of course, it became something he did again and again because it was altering him, And um, mm-hmm. which, which I thought was nice how he, his character changed as the movie went along. And, um, and, and he became more, um, how to put it, less, less emotionally detached, you know, and, and to, to different things and more matter-of-fact, like, oh, this has to be done for this purpose. Sure. Now, for sure. thinking about this, what was one of your favorite death scenes? Because there, there was a few of them that were pretty cool and different. I like the idea of the gym coach getting stomped to death with cleated shoes. <laughs> that was something, that was something I, I always remembered is like he put the cleats on and basically gets him into the, um, not the, the, the stands and gets in between the stands mm-hmm. and just stomps on them and stomps on them and stomps on them and um, and fit, and then um, strings them up because when the police yeah. come he's um, he's um, hanging like a, like um like something on the butcher shop right yeah uh, I and I enjoyed the heck of it I thought that was a neat idea it, it made me think back to uh, Brad Pitt's first film which is a slasher film called Cutting Class and. It's again, it, it's a high school setting and people are being killed in the high school and they did some unique deaths in that as well. And, and it just made me think of that, which isn't the best film in the world either, but it was kind of unique and I liked it. You knew though, speaking of death, you knew that paper cutter was going to come up. Oh yeah. It made such a big deal of it at the very beginning. <laughs> that one is my favorite one. Because I remembered it yeah. for decades. I mean, the, the, the fingers uh-huh. getting chopped off and then the head going down and that getting chopped off. But I love how when he chops the head off, they cut to a mannequin's head following in and you see yes. the detective, the Lieutenant Bozeman's character played by Austin Stoker figuring out how it was done. Like, you know, okay, this is where he did, this is where he did that. I didn't It was cut so seamlessly. It was like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, it was a really well... So there's a lot of things in here that, that makes me think that there was a lot of real thought put toward making this a good movie. I know I said exploitation earlier, near Grindhouse. Those kinds of movies, a lot of time, were just kind of 
you know, uh, pumped and dumped. You know what I mean? They would make the movie and put it out. There wasn't a lot of thought to like the craft and the art behind it. There's some real thought here. Oh, I definitely think so. And really there's not a lot of gore as what you would think there would be. You, you know what I'm I saying? I agree. All right. But I mean, it's just the gore factor. Like I said, it's just not really being that much of it. It was left to your imagination. And I think it could be part, maybe it's the budget. But I think it, you know, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you're the same way. I'm of the type that the less that is shown, the more you leave to the imagination. You know, the, su- the suggestion is even better yeah. than usually the payoff. Well, I mean, the kind of movies that I, you know, talk about on MKR, it's like that. And that's great. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, this is almost, it's almost where it, it almost would have made the cut for MKR, but it's just, it, it's like right there on that. That borderline. <laughs> you know, and I, I've kind of changed things up a little bit on MKR. I've been doing some 70s movies. I don't know if this one would ever get done, but it's pretty darn close to something I would cover. You're right. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'll put it maybe to, like obviously on the outer part of the, the Venn diagram of how you pick your movies, but it's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. But uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, now most of the actors in this, this is like really the only credit. <laughs> a lot of them were football players from the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> there were a few students uh, <laughs> that seemed a little old to be going to high school. You know, those with the full-on bushy mustaches and all that. They seemed a little older than <laughs> a high school student would be, but you know. Now, did you know that the coach's buddy, and he also played a policeman, speaking of football players, Joe Green. I know mm-hmm. you don't know anything about football, but we're talking sports ball. Mean Joe Green. I would say Mean Joe Green. Doesn't he have that? Uh, was a Pepsi commercial or yeah. Coke commercial or whatever? I think it's yeah. Pepsi or Coke. And um, you know, as I was gonna say, it'd probably be the only way you'd remember him. But it's just he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, and that kind of stuff. And um, so it's just it was interesting seeing him in there, you know, in those in a couple different scenes, and you know, being. Uh, you know, utilize different ways. And I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, how they got, I, I will say this. I don't know. <laughs> I, I knew who Joe green was. I'm not that. I mean, I know we joke on my show about sports ball. What's that? I know who Joe green is, especially since he's in a black exploitation movie that I've seen not too long ago called the black six, <laughs> which is not that great, but you know, he's in that too. Well, there you go. He was, he was fresh on your mind so to speak. And, uh, sure. Uh, let's see. But no, I, I like the way the lighting was used in the hallways, you know, during the night scenes and the shadows and the, the chase scenes that went through for the most mm-hmm. part worked for me though. There were a couple of times I was thinking how people could get out of the building. And it was kind of unusual that the exit door would be locked from the inside, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was a little, but you know, they got to do what they got to do to, you know, do what they're going to do, I guess. I don't know. But then again, I don't know where I'm going with that. But. but I remembered when I was in school, elementary school at the school I was at and uh, there, there was um chains that they would put on the inside of the doors to lock them at, at, at night because you'd see the chains there in the morning with the locks and um, I never talking to the maintenance guys and they said, Oh yeah. When everybody leaves, we lock all the doors up from the inside. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it, so, 
but there's usually it was chains there because the doors are designed to, you know, like if somebody pushes the bar, it's going to open. So they'd put chains so you couldn't push the bar to get it open because it hit the, like the, the middle part, that, that thing with, you know, the middle bar between the doors. And, sure. Uh, so if, if they would have had to change there, I would have been totally with it because I would have been like, yes, I experienced this. This is true. But without the chains being there, I'm like, eh, yeah, I think they, they should have been able to get out. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Uh, I didn't have that experience. Um, you know, again, going back to the difference between where I was and you were in terms of high school, uh, I didn't have that experience myself. So, But I've seen it in other movies. So I get it. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, because it's, it's one of those things that something, somebody's there late at night. And I thought it was interesting that the police, Lieutenant Bozeman, set a trap up for him. And um, it was Robin Ooh. Jones, who plays the love interest, um, who uh, the, the, the Robin Jones, the love interest played by um, uh, uh, the actor is um, Rosie Holotek, which I don't really know if she's done anything else. Uh, you know, her credit list shows Encounter with the Unknown, which is something I've shown in the Monster Kid Movie Club, which is an anthology of spooky stories. But yeah, I don't. Oh, Don't Look in the Basement, which is one of those classic titles that I've never seen, but you always hear about <laughs> when you start diving into drive-in horror culture. Don't Look in the Basement. So yeah, And she's in a movie I've seen, Perry Mason, The Case of the Maligned Mobster. So yeah, I have actually seen her in other work. Those are, those are her. We've mentioned all of her four of her credits. <laughs> right, right. If the IMDb is to be, be believed, yep. You know, but it's just, I think she did a fine job. You know, I mean, it wasn't... It's it's you know she she went through she was the the the, the last girl so to speak um, you know I, I don't I don't think she was bad at all but she came over to warn Vernon that it's a trap and of course Vernon already drank the potion you know because he wanted right. to get revenge on the one football player and uh, things just went downhill from there yeah the football player Roger who calls Vernon creeper the entire time a creeper. Yeah, overall, it was a fun experience, so I'm glad I watched it, for sure. For sure. I enjoyed it. And um, anything else you want to say about it that, you know, you want you want to talk about before we talk about whether we recommend it or not? I think we kind of nailed everything here. Um, I'm really impressed with the physical acting. You know, it's got Austin Stoker. The music fits. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm good. Would I recommend the movie? Is that what we want to talk about next? Yeah. The, so would you recommend this to the average listener? How would you go mm. The average listener of your show? Well, our show is, is all different types of movies. so it's- Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, uh, if you're in the mood for Jekyll and Hyde, but not you know, a little off the beaten path, you know, not the standard Jekyll and Hyde story, I'd recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it higher than things like Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Or, or any of the hammer takes on the Hyde story or anything like that. But, you know, it's an interesting entry in the uh, canon or, or, or more of um, Jekyll and Hyde stories. I'd probably recommend it more to Monster Kid radio listeners than your, than your listeners. I feel like you've got to be in a certain mindset to dig this. Oh, I understand that. And um, I recommend it. Uh, if okay. You, if okay. you enjoy drive-in movies... You know, from the 70s. Yeah, there you go. This is, this is there you go. right up there. And it's one that's, as you said, it's, it's like explore. It's, it's not really too, um, 
exploitive. Exploitive. It's like exploitive light. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's, it's like um, there, but not there too far. It's one where you can watch with a younger group, not too young, but a younger group than you normally would think with this type of movie. Like when you talk exploitation, exploitative type movies, uh, because there's no nudity the the gore is held to, I think considering it's horror high, a horror film, I think a minimum, you know, compared to what it could have been. I mean, we could have had gushers sure. of blood everywhere. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I, I think it's just, it's, it's one of those nice little movies. Doctor, if you like Dr. Jekyll, um, Mr. Hyde type movies, this is, this will definitely fit in your wheelhouse to, I think to watch and see. And I think you would enjoy it if you enjoyed it out. Now, is it as great as like some of the great Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde movies? No, but there's definitely things I've seen that are way worse than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I've seen a lot worse. I've seen a lot worse Jekyll Hyde, Jekyll and Hyde. I've seen a lot worse uh, grindhouse exploitation or near grindhouse exploitation films. I've seen a lot worse. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to the acting on this because of the acting. You know, Pat Carty's great in Austin Stoker. It's just fun to watch, man. He's awesome. Yeah, they're, they're both great. I mean, and that's really what you need for this type of movie. I mean, your main lead actor, Pat Carty, does an extremely good mm-hmm. job of getting it done. I mean, it, you know, it does the role, fits it in, the physical acting, as we both talked about. Austin Stoker just just owns the screen every time he's in there. It just, I yeah. almost wish there was a TV series with him, with Lieutenant Bozeman solving mysteries, because, you know, which, which they did with Columbo, oh. but I would love to see it with him. You know, it's just because I think yeah. that would have been something to watch. He plays yeah. law officers so well, going back to Assault on Precinct 13. Where yep. he had the toughness, but the humanity and, and that compassion—it's—it's—he yep. did such a great blend of both as an actor mm-hmm. that it's—he it's, just pulls it off so well. Excellent actor. Yep, I I can't agree more. There, that's, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Otherwise, thank 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 Derek. Thank you for joining me in uh, having us. Yeah, thanks this. for having me, Steve. And again, listeners, Monster Kid Radio it. is out there. You've got to seek it out. It's only been over 540 episodes. I mean, you know, it's it's <laughs> turn an episode every week, week after week, month after month, year after year. The relentless drive of one man's vision to go oh, wow. through okay. <laughs> the Monster Kid okay. movies of the past to bring them to the audiences of the present. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting a little carried away there, but uh, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> hey, we, you, we can edit that out. You can put it as a promo for yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> now I do appreciate all the support and, and you know, you're doing, you're doing excellent work, man. Keep it up, brother. Oh, thank you. And um, you were one of the inspirations. So it's, I thought it was fitting to have you to come and join us at the end of year too. Mikhail and Ben with, um, Ben with school picking up, he's gotten busy with that. And Michaela was not able to fit it in. I don't think she was really interested in seeing a movie called horror high. So it was, uh, well, I think she's still grumpy with me over the snakes and everything from black samurai. So, and for those that don't know what Derek's talking about, go back in our archives and look up black samurai. There you go. It's, 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 see, see what I see. I know it's helping you out. Go back and listen to some old episodes. Good stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, um, 
like I said, look out, look for Derek's YouTube stuff. Um, you can follow Monster Kid Radio on the podcast form. You can follow it on the YouTube format. And he has other things out there. Look for him under Derek M. Cook, and you'll find him everywhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But Steve, thanks again for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. For Thank, you. Thank you for joining me. And listeners, join us next episode where we'll be doing my interview with Mary Batum. She played Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird. She was also in Let's Kill Uncle. And we talk about the Twilight Zone episode that she was in, The Bewitching Pool, and lots of other stuff. Um, you're going to enjoy it. And um, otherwise, other episodes we'll be doing are decided by the roll of a die. And we got our James Oil retrospective series getting ready to start on Halloween with my interview. Right on, brother. It's going to be awesome. So thanks again for listeners, for listening to Derek and I talk about this movie. As always, stay safe. Go do something that's fun and enjoy life.